0: Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Colefield and Company.
1: Here
2: we go on a Friday, 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 Friday. Willie Ramirez is here. Mateo's helping out at the set back in the Finley Toyota Studios.
1: It is Damon. Willie, what's up? What's happening? It's Friday. As you said, it's uh Well, are you ready? Let's start the open again.
2: I don't think he's ready to go. What the hell's going on here? A lot of breaths. What's going on? Damon, are you ready? I'm fired up, Steve. There he is. The mic right on. Like that. <laughs> like that. Yesterday, I caught Damon. I forgot that I had done a giveaway at the start of the 4 o'clock hour, and he's picking up the phone, and the first story in the Big Four was his story, and he's like, oh, okay, let me get on, get on, Mike.
1: Okay, we got your time. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I- I've been ready. Come on, let's go. You're just, you're just you know, being belligerent as usual. Let's I'm see. trying to figure out whether to discuss the Golden Knights coming off a loss. The Aces coming off a loss. Vegas why are you, why is, are you Vegas deciding? Is, Vegas is very sour today. You think? Sure. A lot of dismay. A lot of disappointment. There's
2: no, there's no dismay. I'm pretty confident that VGK is still going to win the series. I had the Panthers yesterday. I forgot you I, were Vegas. I, I got the uh, the win by the skin of my teeth. I wasn't <laughs> happy about it. I, I let out. I, I yelled uh, watching the game at home. Scared the SO and the Cats. Um and, yeah, yeah, I guess the, the Aces, we'll get to them at 3.30. Um, I guess 40-0 and 0 is out the window, so I don't know how much of the season I'm going to watch from here. Um, all right, well, let's get into last night's game. Were there a ton of opportunities down the stretch? Check that. Were there a ton of opportunities throughout the game that they could take advantage of, or the ones they had, Bob just came up big? That was a that was vintage Bobrovsky.
1: Yes, the latter. They Well, I will say this. As good as they've been on the power play, they had numerous opportunities on the man advantage last night um, that they probably wish they had back. But the advantages or the the opportunities that they had when it was even strength, Bobrovsky was basically the guy he's been all post season. So everybody up in arms thinking what's going on. I tried to tell people. I said it yesterday on the air in the morning. I said it the day before. This series is, we saw, we talked about it with Steve Levy. This series is far from over. Florida has been down this road. They were down 3-1 to one to Boston, which won the President's Trophy. Just because the Golden Knights won the first two games didn't mean a thing. Everybody was ready to crown them, hoist the cup. You were talking about parades. The fact of the matter is. I know it. I know it I shouldn't have said it. The fact of the matter now is it's over. Bobrovsky has been playing like this all postseason. And it was a tight game. And and that's that's I, I fully expected it. I loved the under yesterday. I thought it was gonna be probably the tightest game. The only thing that I didn't foresee was as many penalties. I thought it was gonna be a little bit cleaner. William Carrier with three penalties. Um it, it, it was exactly how I thought it would go. I, I spoke to uh, Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown early in the morning, representing our show, of course. I told them it's going to be a low-scoring game. I gave them a stat with both goaltenders in their roles yesterday. I said, I see a 2-1, 3-1 game. Now, I did pick the Golden Knights. I said it could come down to the end. It's going to be tight. Ended up being 3-2 Panthers. But I wasn't shocked at all. Did Lindsey annihilate you? She's very good on hockey. No. And she
2: does not hold back, even though now she's on a football show. No, because there's a shred di- you.
1: No, because there's a difference with how I what I talk about. Like I don't talk about you know in the deep in the zone and below the goal. You know, and and, and specific breaking down the X's and O's, which Lindsey's brilliant at. I was talking about what I saw, you know, and I was talking about numbers and statistics. For instance, Sergey Bobrovsky, after a road game, immediate home game. 3-0 going into last night. Hello, Aiden Hill, first road game immediately after a home game during the postseason, 4-0 with three shutouts. It was bound to be a focus game by both goaltenders that was going to go under. It was bound to be a goaltender shootout, or a goaltender duel, I should say, and it was.
2: Florida got off to the uh, initial start, got on the board first. Here's Montour. Panthers keep it in the zone. Montour shoots
1: a scores!
0: Branded Montour, and the Panthers take a 1-0 game lead. It's just four minutes into the first period.
2: All right, enough with the horn. Um, have you been in that arena for hockey games? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Did you? I I didn't get to hear it, but because uh, we were on the air during the pregame, mm-hmm. do they use the lion or the panther? The panther. Do they use the panther roar? I said lion because Penn State does it. Did do they use the I panther roar a lot?
1: I didn't really. I don't. It wasn't, I wasn't. I heard it
2: was like it was incessant. Maybe it was. Yeah. So, VGK takes it late into the third. Game's over. 2-1 victory. Um, I had posted up on social media. Ryan the Hockey guys coming up with the post game here in just a couple minutes. Of course, I put hashtag no jinx. It didn't work because here's that dirty dog, Kachuk. Up the boards for Hagee now cuts it off.
3: And a shot, kick save. Another shot from Bennett blocked. Low to high. Eckleck creeps
0: in. wink wide and they drive. Kick save. Rebound. Kachuk scores. Oh,
2: wow. Is that what it sounds like? Something like that. Maybe. Possibly, yeah. 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 Probably not as good or as clear. My throat wasn't ready for that.
1: I'm not used to hearing Panthers growl. Maybe uh, yeah. Cougars roar. What's the whole rat thing? The cats and the rats? I don't know where that came from. They the threw rats rat. all over I the just, ice. I just can't ever. I don't want to read about. Cats. I don't want to associate myself with anything that has to Cardiac do with Cardiac cats. They're Cardiac 7-0 cats.
2: in overtime now. Yeah. Yeah. Cardiac yeah. cats and cats get the rats. Seven So I guess and VGK, VGK are the rats.
1: But throwing the rats on the ice has been something I thought before this season. They've been doing that. Okay. So. All right. I'm into it.
2: I'm not into them winning, but they can throw some rats on the, the ice every once in a while.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe that's what they are, rats. And you uh,
2: how do you, you feel going to overtime? Because the Knights got a really good break at the end of regulation with 11 seconds left. That was not a trip. That was a banging of skates. And. Not even. 11 seconds. They were able to close that out. But VGK starts out the OT with 149. You had a. I did. I had a, a weird feeling when the that, pay, um, that power play really didn't result in a whole lot of dangerous opportunities for the Golden Knights. How were you feeling?
1: I had two feelings. The first was the Golden Knights need to score on this power play. The second was if they don't, they're going to lose. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: It was do or die, 149. That's it. They
1: needed the power play goal. Yeah, because... Remember, this is the same team that went to four overtimes with Carolina. This is a team that, you know, as as we know now, 6-0 and in, in overtime. They are finding ways to win. And Kachuk scored overtime winners in two straight games uh, prior in the opening rounds. So, I mean, this has just been a team. They're in their own barn. It, it, it was almost tailor-made. It was it was storybook. I've been saying I predicted Golden Knights in five. And I said they're gonna, Florida's going to win one of them down there. Now, I did think that it would be game four. As I said, I went on the air earlier in the morning and said Golden Knights will win this one. But they got game three. I do think they're going to win game four.
2: Overtime goal by the Cats.
1: Panthers back from left to right. In comes Bennett. Delays at the right point. Into the slot. A drive. Score!
0: Carter Verhagee in overtime. Florida wins game
2: three. Nightmare. Nightmare. Verhage with Verhage. the goal.
1: One of the things that the Golden Knights were doing really well at in the third period was keeping the players to the outside. They weren't allowing excuse me, a lot of traffic to the inside. They were keeping the net clear, keeping the crease clear, keeping Hill's vision. And I sort of felt down the end, especially when they pulled uh, Bob and had the extra man, they were cluttering that inside and the same thing in the, you know, and, and you're sort of in a cluster. You're sort of scattered, and it's frantic, and you're in a frenzy and, um, and over time. So I, I think that, you know, the one goal that I think you cannot put on Aiden Hill whatsoever, and I, I really don't want to put it on one person, but if you look at how Kachuk snuck into the crease, he, White Cloud lets him get behind him, and you cannot do that late in the game. Obviously, with the extra attacker, you have to be well aware of that and I know Zach Whitecloud wants to have that back.
2: Treasure Island on a Friday to start off with Cofield & Company. 55-plus TVs down here for happy hour. NBA starts up a little after 5 o'clock, a 5.30 tip. We'll uh, take you away until 6 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas with Cofield & Company.
0: Cofield & Company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 f.m. Summer means different things to different people. It might be taking hikes, camping, or hiding indoors with the air conditioning vent right on you to try and get a little bit of relief from the sweltering heat. But if summertime means baseball to you, like it does to many of us here at ESPN Las Vegas, then we're all in luck. As most Sunday afternoons, you can listen to baseball during the summer starting at 3, right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. You're listening to Cofield and Company.
1: I hope it leaves a sour taste in your mouth, at least for the night. I mean, you know, we, we had a chance to put the game away. Talk about winning hockey, closing out hockey games, how important it is this time of the year. So I, I hope they're upset with certain things that transpire. That's okay. It's an emotional game, but not tomorrow. Can't be tomorrow. Get your night's rest and, um, you know, be ready to... As I say, get better tomorrow.
0: Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island.
2: Yeah, both of these guys, that was Butchie, Bruce Cassidy, VGK coach, and uh, Paul Palmo. They're not gonna freak out after games. They're not gonna freak out on the media. It's a little bit different than it used to be here in Vegas and yeah, a lot of, a lot of coaches around professional sports kinda get froggy at, you know, questions about the future,
1: yes. Did you say Palmo? Yeah, why? Okay, Paul Maurice. I, I knew who you. Maurice is too about. long. I knew who you. Palmo. The, just the, it amazes me week to week when you come up with nicknames for people, and I love it. Why? Wow, we're just, talking like, about
2: hockey. We got Butchie, Barbie, it's crazy. Marshy. I just was saying, I, Jackie, Stony. You just—it's all I, nicknames. Hello, great, Butchie,
1: Willie. You know who? You know, I got a nickname for you. Yeah. <laughs> was it clean? Yes. Okay. All right. Because you clean. use this nickname for somebody else. Oh, yeah. But my guy is up next, and he's coming on to talk to us because he's down there covering. He was here for the first two games. Now he's down in South Florida, national writer for The Athletic. You like to use the Big Roos. I was calling him that while he was here, Big Roos. Were you? You stole (laughs) it? Yeah, I stole it from you. All right, well, Michael Russo's up with us. Mike, are you big? Uh,
3: Yeah. Well, he's big Big in head. I got get
1: He's big time. As you the person you use it for, you go not to i I'm not insulting, it's because she's big time. Well same she, thing. She's he's a woman big time. It's Diana
2: Rossini. She's five foot and like eighty pounds. So and I also use it I have a friend in DC yeah. who is like five eight, four hundred, so he's also a big ruse. So a big ruse can apply to anybody.
1: Well the big Raguso, remember the big carmine. I do that. I do okay. That. All right, let's yeah. get to it. Come yeah. Well go
2: ahead. Fire <laughs> away. What's up, Michael? How are you? Thanks for coming on with us. We're jerking around here.
3: Yeah, yeah. How are you guys? We're
2: good, man. Well, we're not in a great mood because, you know, we. it helps off if, if VGK wins. We're objective. We're objective. But uh, give me the narrative out of the game for you last night. Was that a vintage Bobrovsky effort? Did VGK blow a bunch of opportunities? Bad puck luck? What was the big story for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if I've it's funny because I thought Florida played better in game one, and they obviously lost that game. And last night I thought Vegas was the much better team, uh, really kept – Florida from getting the front of the net, blocked 30-something shots, and then somehow, you know, the game gets blown at the end. So, you know, the series is probably where it should be in terms of being 2-1. I just think that Florida probably deserved to win game one, and Vegas deserved to win game three. And, um, you know, obviously just not extending that lead is what definitely killed Vegas last night. And I think, the, you know, the one play that I, I keep on coming back to is, you know, late in the third period, not long before the goal. Barbashev and Marceau come down on a 2-1, and, and Barbashev wasn't able to get, you know, uh, really any sort of uh, ability to turn that game into a 3-1 game. So um, I think that, that uh, you know, Vegas will be able to be fine in the series, but last night was a game that was 100% stolen from them.
1: Mike, I, you know what I likened it to was Game 2 Western Conference Final, Dallas is here against Vegas, and Dallas realistically outplayed Vegas for 55 minutes. Jonathan Marchesaw scores near the, mm-hmm. with a couple of minutes left. They go into overtime. Vegas wins it. I continue to say that is when they won the series. No matter how many games it was going to go, they sort of stole that game. Could that be a possibility, or is Vegas too good to let that happen? Where, ha, What happened in those last two minutes in overtime in terms of changing the complexion of this series?
3: Yeah, I I think, look, I do think that Vegas is too good to let them happen. But as we know, Willie, in the years that we've covered this sport, uh, stranger things have happened. This Florida team has not been nearly as good as they were in the first three rounds. And that that is still embedded in their fabric. They are a good team, a better team than Vegas has allowed them to be this series. So if all of a sudden Florida comes out tomorrow and looks more like the Panthers that everybody really got to know in the first three rounds, they're going to make this a series... And bring the game back even to Vegas and, and sort of hold serve here. So you know, down the stretch, uh, they made a couple mistakes. Vegas coming back in their own zone, especially on the breakout, and Kachuk, who was extremely silent in the game, um, you know, figured out a way to make it work. Uh, you know, looking back at the replay too, Sam Bennett was barely on side on that play. I mean, that was that was very close to being a potential review for Vegas. And then in overtime, there's something special about this Florida team. I've never seen anything like it in my years covering the league. Uh, they've won 10 straight overtime games in the playoffs uh, spanning a couple of years here. And, and so they just feel like, you know, it just felt like after they got that kill there at the early part of the overtime that they were going to then figure out a way, and they certainly did that. And and unfortunately for Vegas, the puck wound up on the stick on, on of somebody that's done this a million times. I mean, Carter Verhage is one of the most clutch players in the National Hockey League, 42 goals in the regular season. He's the guy that last year... Uh, won them the first round since 96 with that winning goal in Washington. Game 7 overtime this year, Game 7 uh, against Boston. He scores the overtime goal and then obviously here. So Verhage he has a knack of, of scoring the biggest goals in Panthers history, and he certainly did that last night.
1: Speaking with Michael Russo, national writer for the Athletic, follow him at Russo Hockey, joining us on Cofield & Company, ESPN Las Vegas, You know, we keep hearing the storylines, what is different about these teams, why and what, and and, and the coaches come up, Bruce Cassidy, Paul Maurice. You could say contrasting styles, but the one common denominator is sort of their demeanor in, in press conferences with their teams. They're very calm, cool, and collected. Um, that's got to be appreciative at this time of the year that they're not necessarily hotheads with their, with their players. They, they, they just kind of have an even keel about them. They have fun with the media when it comes time for press conferences. Um, what is it about these guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing is I think they both get it. They understand our job. Uh, they don't just come there. First of all, they're very smart, articulate guys. Um, and they come out there and they really try to explain to the media uh, uh, what is going on. So then we can, in turn, explain to the fans, and that is our job. But, you know, there are some coaches that don't believe it. They, they think that we're more of a hindrance when the, the purpose of the, of this job is to let fans know everything that we possibly can of what's going on in a series about the teams. And they certainly do it. And, and you know, I would say that, that Bruce is um, – he's got this – you know, what I love about Bruce, too, is he actually will, like, specifically almost give you system stuff um strategic stuff like and in his mind even though a lot of coaches want to hold that stuff to the vest he also knows that Paul Marie you're not there's no secrets this time of year <laughs> Paul Marie knows what's going on when he looks at the video so i think that he feels that he doesn't have to hide things where Paul's maybe a little more guarded but Paul is hilarious and i don't know what it is about me because i've gotten some of the best quotes i've ever gotten in my life out of him this series even last night i mean when I asked him if Verhage kept him from getting fined, it turned out to be a hilarious anecdote. It was great in post game. Oh my God, the stuff that he was talking about, Lance Roberts, who was a referee back in the day that I knew, it was it was tremendous. And so um, I, I just think that they understand that this is an entertainment business. This is a professional sport. We're not we're not not splitting the atom here, and they're also trying to put on a show for the fans and make it, make it a little more entertaining for them. And. Uh, you know, I definitely love it, and it's made covering this series certainly a lot uh, more fun than, than some series that I've I've had to cover it because the coaches get it. I mean, it's just, you know, they're they're just so well-spoken.
1: Michael Russo, athletic uh, hockey writer. Follow him at Russo Hockey once again joining us. Cofield & Company, ESPN Las Vegas. I think all of us at some point, especially down the stretch here, a lot of you national writers have written something on Aiden Hill, whether it's been long, extensive features, Um, game recaps this kid has grown up obviously in the postseason and not to get away too much from the Stanley Cup but using the Stanley Cup final as an example is this the Golden Knights goaltender of the future?
3: Yeah, I don't know about that Um, but (laughs) the one thing about him is that he keeps on defying um, the odds here I don't think anybody thought that he had this in them I'm not even sure If you put a hand on the Bible that Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee thought that he had this in them, I mean, he is, I mean, his This is somebody that last year we did a goalie cheer project at the Athletic where we talked to dozens of people in the game, former and current goalies, um, executives, and Aiden Hill was number 30 out of 32 goaltenders. And here he is, and here he is, two victories away from the Stanley Cup final. Um, So, you know, goalie of the future, it's tough to say because. Um, and, you, Willie, you know the team much better than me, but I know they have a really good young goalie in, in uh, Anderson, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, so, the you know, I, I do think that what he has done is he's put himself in a position to get paid um, and to get a job somewhere. And it's just a question of, you know, where that is. Um, this Vegas team uh, has relied on him. Remember, they come into the season uh, thinking that Brosois and Logan Thompson were going to be there neck-and-neck neck guys, and then obviously they've had just a laundry list of injuries to their to that position all season long. And for Kelly McCrimmon to go out and make that move uh, for Aiden Hill, uh, it turned out to really save their season. He's just done a tremendous job, and and this guy is just so calm in there. I love Jesse Granger's story the other day about um, how he sort of saved, in his mind, his career by, by finding yoga during the pandemic and really uh, changing his his you know flexibility and all that stuff, and um, he's been a really fun guy to watch.
2: It's Cofield and Company, Treasure Island, NHL expert Michael Russo is on the horn with us. I saw you wrote a piece on TNT and Liam McHugh. I, I find the TV thing very interesting. With hockey fans, are very protective of the sport. They were getting real mad at ESPN. Uh, you know they're they're grading TNT real hard. What'd you talk about, or what'd you find out about Liam McHugh?
3: Yeah, I mean, a fascinating guy. I mean, this guy, you know what, uh, in um, 2010 sort of showed up out of nowhere on our TV, you know. Uh, You know, I'm watching Versus. I'm like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden you just watch him. Not only you can tell right away that he's a polished pro, but then all of a sudden you just saw his career explode at NBC. I mean, he's doing Thursday night football with Mike Tirico and, you know, uh, football night in America on Sundays and Premier League games and several Winter Olympics and Summer Olympics, and you know you realize how talented he is, and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, NBC loses the rights to the National Hockey League. He goes to TNT, and I, don't, I just don't think that it's very easy to take all these different personalities and figure out one to <laughs> to sort of direct traffic there, but also to um, figure out a way to let them all have a voice and really let their personalities shine, and as Keith Jones said in the piece, he's not the star of the show, but he absolutely might be. Yep. Uh, he's just a really funny guy. He knows when to be serious. And what I really respect about him, too, is he grinded. You know, this is somebody that at University of Buffalo, before he went to Syracuse, he was so scared of public speaking, he dropped his classes. Wow. He became a sports, yeah, he became a sports writer uh, with Newsday, ESPN Magazine, and then he realized that his passion really was broadcasting put himself through a master's program at the Newhouse School of Syracuse, and then he, he graduates, and never, you guys know Syracuse. I mean, it is a broadcasting factory. I mean, it is unbelievable, the famous, famous broadcasters that all went to that school. And what did he do? He went to Minor League Circus and worked in places like Haute, Indiana, and Oklahoma City and places like that, and uh, wound up on the national stage, and he's just done a tremendous job.
2: Yeah, we might be talking about the dude is uh, one of the all-time greats, you know, studio guys, like as you put, you know, herding the cats, like uh, James Brown or Ernie Johnson. It's not an easy gig at all when, you know, you've got four or five people trying to talk at the same time and you're directing traffic. La- last one, I'm going to do the double jinx here because I already did it early in the week. Um, I'll ask you because I think we know if uh, VGK wins where the parade would be. We kind of know because it's going to be centered around the Strip. W- would they do it in Sunrise? Where the hell would the Panthers do it? They do it down in Miami. Where would they do a parade?
3: They would do it probably on A1A in Las Olas uh, in Fort Lauderdale Beach. Probably okay. that would be my guess. Yeah, um, it'd be kind of fun if they did it on an alligator alley, like right in the Everglades. Um, <laughs> yeah. but when I when I covered the Panthers, you know, which I don't even know if you guys know, but I covered the Panthers for ten years, and so my, you know, uh, we always used to joke that there was so little places down here to do it that they would just do it in the uh, parking lot that's of, of was, the arena. That's what I was saying,
2: is, <laughs> right by Sawgrass Mills. A,
3: I mean. This is one of the biggest arenas in the league, and, and the property is just vast. I mean, the the parking lots are endless, and there's plenty of spaces if you want to do a big yeah. party there. Uh, but my guess is Fort Lauderdale Beach, Las Olas, and A1A.
1: Michael, we appreciate it. Good stuff. All good right, good stuff. take care, guys. Thanks, Mike. I'll see you Tuesday.
3: Really, I'll see you this week. I can't wait to see the suit that you pick out.
1: You got it, my friend.
2: There he is, Michael Russo from The Athletic. Big Roos! Big Roos. Big Roos. Coming up later in the hour <laughs> that was a good combo we're going to uh, get to uh, what's cooking tomorrow for watch parties we're going to talk to a uh, super host steve Seer in about 15 minutes
0: you are listening to cofield and company live at the golden circle sports book and bar inside treasure island
2: well the dream is dead willie no unbeaten season for the Aces. I thought they could steamroll through the league, go forty and zero. It's not going to happen. Back to back, sort of. Uh, two out of three days they played Connecticut, and yesterday they just ran out of gas and they wound up losing on the road at the casino in Connecticut, Mohegan Sun. Uh, they wound up losing ninety four to seventy seven.
1: Bound to happen, Steve. Bound to happen. Thirty six and four. Recalibrate. Thirty seven and three. Well, that's your prediction.
2: I, I mean, this is the greatest professional basketball team in the history rec- rec- record-wise in in all of professional basketball. They should be able to win percentage, pass both GSW and the Bulls. Now, those are realistic expectations. Aren't they, they
1: have the ta- they have the talent and potential to. They won't. What? Not in this league. What? This league because it's so tight. It's not you know there there aren't thirty teams. You got twelve teams, and. This year there's really only one bad team and I don't know necessarily know how bad it is it's just a matter of getting in sync but like the worst team in the league last year has really threatened a lot of good teams and that's the Indiana Fever and when they start getting on a roll they're going to win some games point is there's a lot of talent and it's a long season yes they've changed the rules in terms of these back to backs in terms of you know city to city and and with charter flights and everything but Nevertheless, it can be grueling. I mean, it's it's just like just like other teams, it are just like other pro leagues. Um, and we saw it. This team, speaking of the Las Vegas Aces, they opened the season beating the competition by 24.7 points. They started in Seattle, went down to LA, came home for the Sparks and the Lynx, the Minnesota Lynx. <clears throat> and by the way, The game in L.A., the second game of the season, they struggled a little bit defensively to to start. They they allowed uh, L.A. to shoot 42%, 36% from three-point land. They go on the road for four games, all of which they could have lost, outside of the first game against Connecticut. They were down to Atlanta. They were losing to Indiana. Double digits in the fourth quarter, by the way. They went to Connecticut, and they controlled that game. The six-point win was not indicative of how much they controlled it. But that was their fourth game. Yesterday was their fourth game in seven nights, and Connecticut dominated from the outset. I mean, it was it was pure dominance. They are now, or in in those four games on the road, they were outscored by an average of half of half a point eighty six point three to eighty five point eight. But their shooting percentage was down to what it was used to. Their three-point shooting was down under 30% for the road trip. So it's not going to be that easy. Now, they come home, they're come they they're off today. They travel. They're off tomorrow. And they host the Chicago Sky early on Sunday. I think it'll be a strong bounce-back game considering the Chicago plays tonight. Um, I, I really wasn't surprised. I, I mean, and let's not forget Connecticut that was supposed to be sort of Rebuilding without John Quill Jones and Courtney Williams and head coach Kurt Miller, they still have veterans in DeWanna Bonner and Alyssa Thomas and reigning sixth woman of the year, Breonna Jones. This is still a very good basketball team who, by the way, is leading the Eastern Conference, not the New York Liberty. So they never forgot that the Aces celebrated on their court. Bound to happen, the Aces aren't going 40-0. On
0: ESPN, Las Vegas.
2: All right, rolling on. You heard it, Ti. Willie's here. Demond's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Mateos helping out. We got a big weekend on the way. Another game in the VGK Stanley Cup Final series, and I'll be over at Ellis Island tomorrow in the front yard. Steve's here, of course, is over there. He's a host of the Stars. We talk to Steve every once in a while about what's going on around Vegas and what's happening over at Ellis. Steve, what's up, buddy?
4: Hey, man, it's so funny. You always say host to the
0: stars,
2: <laughs> and you always and you always come back with. Because once, once I get an intro or a nickname, I stick with it. And you always All come right. back with, I don't like the stars.
4: Yeah, no, I like the degenerate gamblers. I mean, that's what and, – and yesterday, you know, um, at, at the front yard, as you know, every time the biggest Golden Knights score, it's a free shot, a fireball. So, like, two games ago, you know, we had seven shots. Yeah, and, it yeah. was, you know, the empty netter, I was like, no more, you know. So, God, can you believe we lost that game, Cofield? Oh, God.
1: Well, Willie, <clears throat> tell, tell Steve what happened. Well, uh, Matthew Kachuk happened, (laughs) number one. Their best player (laughs) finally showed up. Number two, Sergei Bobrovsky showed up, and it it was bound to happen. I 100% could believe it happened because Florida's been doing it all postseason. And let's be real, you wanted that to happen because if it didn't happen, there would be no Game 5 here in Las Vegas for the overflow people that can't get into or don't want to go to T-Mobile. They want to come see you at Ellis Island.
4: I know, it's just on a very selfish note, at plus 1,300 a long time ago, I bet a large amount on them to win the Stanley Cup. Okay, so I haven't hedged anything yet because we're up 2 and I'm still not going to hedge until we get to a game, you know, 6 or 7. But I just want it over because I want to go cash my ticket. So I'm being selfish.
2: Yeah, good. Uh, by the way, good tease there by Willie. Snuck it in. So tomorrow we got a game four, and uh – I will be out at Ellis Island. Steve will be out there. We'll be giving away a bunch yep. of prizes. Steve mentioned it. Every time VGK scores a goal, it's free shots for the house. You can also purchase all oh, you can drink packages. That's pretty cool. You can uh, play the games there, and you qualify to win a VGK Jack Daniels jersey, so that's good. And with a Game 5, that means ESPN Las Vegas will be on the scene on Tuesday, and our boy John Von Tobel will be out there for that game. So we got a couple of watch parties coming up at the front yard at Ellis Island. So, Steve – I got to get into some of the other cool things that are going on around okay. the, the property there. One, it seems like every week there's you know that incremental progress with F one. I know the roads have been a bit of a mess, um, and they're probably going to be for a little while longer. But how much building is going on? Are we seeing anything on your property? Are we seeing anything across yeah, the way on so- alleys?
4: So, so all, today was actually pretty cool to come in. Cobalt is getting better, and you know all those big power lines, Steve, are going to be buried. So, Cobble is going to look Ooh. just so much aesthetically better. That's what they're doing now on Cobalt. All those big old telephone poles or what are those wires—they're all going underground. So, it's going to be clean look. That, that's why it's down to one lane right now, and you can tell. I'd say about another week, and that they're all going to be gone. So th- they move so quick. I mean, it took. You know, in my house, it took four guys four months to do my kitchen. These guys, every day I come in, it's something different. And the big building, there are hundreds, hundreds of workers there right now, Steve. Even at night, when I leave at midnight, it's packed. Wow, with workers.
2: I, I'm, I'm always able to. I, I shouldn't say this ahead of time. I should just do it. I'm always able to get Steve to give us some nuggets. And then afterwards, he's like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that." So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You can, you can turn me down on this. Um, this okay. is weird. This is a weird one. I've been thinking about it. So, Koval's got part of the race down to Harmon. They turn. You know, the paddock is right there. You guys are right on the route. It's You know, there's going to be, like...
4: We, we are it, turn four, technically. Yeah. Like we're turn four.
2: So, we know the race is at night. Um, how are, for For weeks, if that route... Is, is the route out front going to be closed? I would think they would close it. Are, okay, how, so how, just, how, just, how will just, we get I, into Ellis? Because I was thinking, okay. actually, bash a hole in one of those back walls and be able to use Tuscany to drive through, like... Like, what, right. what's, getting, I don't what's know, happening I'm gonna in practice? I'm
4: going to tell you, because I went to these meetings, like, just a couple of days ago. Number one, if you work 9 to 5 at Ellis Island, 9 in the morning to 5, n- nothing changes. You get on Colwood, you go on Flamingo, you come into work. At 6 at night to 6 p.m., the track is closed. And for three hours, they put a little film over the whole thing to make it smooth or whatever. Okay, right? the race is 10, 10.30 at night till 3, 3.30 a.m. So the race is on graveyard. Imagine how loud it's going to be. So you're not going to sleep if you've got a room here, you know. And then they are going to have <laughs> one lane open for fire and ambulance. Part of Coval will be, from Palingo, will be open. Okay. Call it one lane a one way. Then you're going to go out the back and you're going to go down. It's called Rochelle. That's the road that, that we share in between us at Ellis Island and F1. And then you, you are, you're going to cut to the Tuscany so it'll be a nice circle one way, 24 hours a day for fire, ambulance, and anybody else.
2: I don't want to get people in trouble, but I feel like if I get a chance on Koval when in a couple of months when it's completely finished and open, like, I mean, you have a nice Mustang. It's an old one. Like, wouldn't you want to do, like, 90 Yeah, on that, on that yeah. smooth road?
4: Yeah, yeah, I have a Foose. Yeah, Chip Foose doing Recurring. Yeah, it, it's old, but I would love to just yeah floor it down we're there. We're not going to do it. It's all going to be smooth and perfect
2: for Metro. We're not going to do it. We're not saying we're going to do it. We don't want anyone else to do it. <laughs> but I but I got to tell you, driving around Paradise Coval, uh, back there around Spring Mountain, it's been a little bit rough. You know, the, the road's a little bit rough. I can't wait until it's you know like a freaking billiards table. It's going to be. Beautiful. And
4: you know, from Flamingo to Harmon, Steve, behind Horseshoe and Paris and Santa Hollywood is. The, the grandstand, you know, like 18,000 grandstand. It goes up eight feet, and you've got regular seats, and then you've got all hospitality, all the way from Flamingo to Harman on the other side of Cobalt. We will have our own grandstand, but it only seats 700.
1: So you know what, Steve? While well, well, this Steve is envisions of being a F1 driver for a brief moment, and <laughs> you are looking forward to the front yard and what it's going to be, you know what I think of when I pass that area? What? I think of how amazing it was back in yours and mine's heyday when across the street from there, there was uh, uh, the MGM and it was Highlight. But that desolate land there, Johnny Russo was going to build his dream hotel because he lived right across the street, Caddy Corner, in the Marie Antoinette. Remember those days? Oh, he lived in the Marie Antoinette? Yeah. Oh, wow. and there was a little casino called the
4: Courthouse or something like that right across, too, or something like that. Well,
1: and also on Harmon was the Carriage House, and at the top was Kiefer's, which was a fantastic steakhouse, and down oh, the road yeah. was Jubilation.
4: Well, and I remember when I first came to town in 83, I used to go and you could bet Highlight. About, it was pretty cool, actually. That's right,
1: that's right, and the black and white <laughs> movies. Yeah, but, but older, I, I just felt like
4: every athlete was on the take there. I think it, they were just so fixed games, but I don't know.
1: So nothing different, okay.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, one cool thing is, is this week they start to announce, and next week's the packages. And you guys, the prices are outrageous, and I'm getting calls like crazy from, I know players that hate me are calling because they want to. The, I had no idea F1 was this big for Americans, too. You know, it's crazy. Oh, yeah.
2: So if I have no idea what the plans are for the front yard uh, during race week, like if uh, if we came to you, like Lotus Broadcasting came to you and we we're like, you know what, we'll uh, we want the front yard for like three days. We're gonna rent. We want to rent it for like hundred
4: thousand dollars. Can we do that? Um, that number would be very low, and I oh, really? can't elaborate anymore. But but uh, people from Barstool Sports and others uh, are in conversations with the front yard to be the headquarters.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. have,
4: so, so I'm very confident that um, the front yard will be utilized. That's really all I can say without Mr. Ellis killing me. But, I yeah, the, because it is the coolest venue, and the second floor looks right at it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's cool.
2: I'm at the front yard tomorrow. Five o'clock is when uh, Puck drops for VGK. we got a uh, hockey watch party. Steve Sear will be on the scene. He's on the phone with us right now. Uh, every time VGK scores a goal, you get a free shot in-house. You have a chance to win a Jack Daniels VGK jersey. You wear your gear. You get a free beer. We love the brewery down there. There's a, 11 different brews right now, and I think there's like seven different specialty cocktails, always updating it. All right, other stuff in the front yard, because I know Willie's into this. I want to I make sure that in July, can you guys do another power slap, Viewing deal, it's on It's on Friday, July 7th. Dana White's Power Slap is back in conjunction with USC International Fight Week. Can we get? Can we have a party there for this event
4: on the 7th? Uh, I, I'm assuming, because, you know, uh, Dana and, and Mr. Ellis are good friends, I'm assuming, uh, I'll confirm it, but Power Slap will be here again, and it's so cool to watch it on that big movie screen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Willie, when we were sitting there and those two fat guys got up and sla- were slapping each other? It was unreal. The energy in
1: there, people screaming. It was unreal. There was a, yeah, and it was uh, it was the Hawaiian hitman who landed yeah. the left hand shot and dropped yeah. him. Yeah. against again, right, here, like here's here's the crazy 67. thing: the light heavyweight championship with, uh, and I can't think of his last name. AJ was the reigning champ and he lost. So I posted two different reels on my Instagram. Now you know how back at Power Slap two it was a few weeks ago. Now, in the last seventy two to ninety six hours. The one, the light heavyweight championship, out of nowhere, caught steam. Started getting shared. I gained roughly seven thousand followers oh, on really? Instagram, and there's now over a million views on my reel.
4: No, no way. way! Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you guys, I'm naive. Can you bet that or no?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. a little tricky because you got to know who wins the coin flip. Because you have to know who gets the, uh, the first slap. The first slap. So you mm-hmm. kind of, you, you got to wait pretty close to the event to bet it. You're not going to bet it like a week out. I'm not even sure the odds are put up before that anyway. Yeah, but you can bet it. Why
4: not? We bet everything, Steve. You know that. Okay, that's awesome. Right, because if I win the coin flip, I obviously have an advantage because I could slap you out.
2: Yes, you get the first slap. and <laughs> you, you, uh, You're a boxer, so if you were slapping me, like I just mentioned, fat guys. Uh, you're a thin guy. I'm a fat guy. I'd go down in the heap. I don't have a good chin. I have a fat chin. Uh, but it
4: oh, man. It and, and you know, I'll know, I should know next week, Cofield, uh, so when you're here, I might even know by tomorrow the actual date. I know you sent me those dates for the first round of the Steve Sear Summer Tour Bikini Tug of War. Okay. So, yeah. Can That's you bet good. on that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I would say that um, – I'm telling you, I, Sapphire is going to come back with a vengeance. They, they are the favorite. They've, they've, been, they've been training, and they were more, more than recycled. They showed up in those high heels, and we laughed at them. And then they, they got beat in the finals, but it was really good. They got beat by the roller, Sin City Roller Girls.
1: Okay, well, I want a showdown between Spearmint Rhino and Peppermint Hippo because one's been around, and all of a sudden they took a knockoff of the name, and I think they should there should be a showdown, and the win the loser has to get rid of the name.
4: Do you know Sorry. that they got the name from the, the show South Park? That's really a true story.
2: Yeah, Peppermint Hippo. Uh, the yeah. the uh, the, uh, the Hippo Girls were there. They were. At, it was actually a pretty good team.
4: Yeah, was a good year. team too. And so was Buffalo Wild Wings. Every year is very respectable. Yep.
2: God, you read well. my mind, Steve. Because that was. I think that was the most impressive team. That was at the old Hard Rock. Probably five years ago, I still have pictures of those ladies. Not 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 creepy, uh, sure. because they were they were they were great. Don't laugh. They were great winners. They were good athletes. They're very nice ladies too. But uh, man, I'm fired up for this. I can't wait.
3: I yeah, can't wait. No, it's uh, fun. Uh,
2: who's gonna who's who is going to uh, try to fight for these hosting spots? These co-hosting spots. If we do two or three of these tug of war, Willie. Yeah,
1: JBT, JBT did it last year. Who gets I, it? I'm I I. I uh, the the problem for me is the heat. I can't. I wilt under the heat. So, we have a cabana. Usually, we're not sitting out in the sun. Yeah.
4: No, we're in a cabana. Yeah, yeah. And and you can go and cool off. And because I'm so busy, uh, I I can't I can't really be on the radio much. I'm a little. I'm I'm officiating. I need to be there. You know,
1: for the teams. What we may really. do, and this is unofficial yet, I'm not. But th- what we may do is we may hold a power slap event to see who gets to co-host. Um, <laughs>
2: You know, I actually will include Damon in the power slap, so Damon, you could be co-hosting, because my guess is that professional wrestler Damon will bury all of us, even tall and big Adam Hill will go down in a heap. Damon, you in?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm in for that, and also Willie, my boy AJ Hintz, the light heavyweight champion yeah, power it. slap,
1: he yeah. did win that because it was a dirty oh, that's slap. Right. He's that's still right. the champ. That's right. He's still the champ. He lost the match, but he ends up winning. He got knocked out, but he won because the the, the, the Illegal contender. Slap. L- yeah, he lifted his foot.
2: Uh, that's right. It was a legal the, slap. The, the that's, legal right. Legal that's right. a legal move.
1: Yes. That's right. I was Thanks. trying to explain oh, that. Oh, you we can't watching, lift yeah. it. Okay, man. Okay. We,
4: all these yeah.
1: rules. I, I like that A.J. Hintz. He's he's the, a good kid. A I interviewed him after Power Slap won. I like that. dude. Very high tech. Steve, we appreciate
2: a couple minutes tonight. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. The listeners, will see you tomorrow. Thanks for the time okay. today. Looking forward to it, man.
4: Go, go Vegas nights. I'll see you tomorrow, Cove. And I would say tell everybody drive a little early because Coveo could be a little slower. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. No doubt.
2: There it is. Right. Steve's here. Yeah. Las Vegas Superhost. I won't say host of the stars because what he says all the time is he'd rather have kind of the grinder type people. They're, you know, they obviously have money, but they're not you know not high drama.
1: Isn't that the name of his book, Superhost? That was what. He, that's what he was called back in the day. The, he was the first Superhost.
2: 364 1100. We've got tickets to CONCACAF, the finals. That's on the 18th this month. It's actually a uh, series of games starting on the 15th, but we got tickets for the finals right now. You can get your CONCACAF tickets at Allegiant, Ticketmaster.com. Um, semifinals on the 15th include Panama and Canada, Mexico, and USA. So there's a lot of great high level soccer to watch over at Allegiant, Ticketmaster.com. Caller 7, caller 7. So coming up. We're live at Treasure Island. In just a couple minutes, we'll get to the big four for four. Reno is going to join in. We have to get to some of the craziest stories I've heard. Like, I like sports, and I'm intense, but some of the stuff that Steven Adams, an NBA player, does and did to get ready for games, and also Jamal Murray, there's some really weird stories about some of their training and just how much they want to win. Anyone who questions athletes today that they don't want to win, believe me, they want to win.